on Phenomenal Disabilities with Trilo. Today's guest is Dr. Lori Weiss. She'll be discussing her books about relationships as well as anxiety. And she'll be offering the world some insights on how they can navigate effectively among each other. Stay tuned. Well, hello, hello, everyone. This is Phenomenal Disabilities with Tree Low. Um, today's guest is a psychotherapist and marriage counselor, a, a consultant and coach, book author uh, of Embrace Prosperity and Let Go and many others. Today's guest is Lori Weiss. Lori, say hello to the world. Hi, everyone. It's delightful to be here. Lori, um, I saw you know uh, some of your books that you have on your website, and and, and also uh, your your story about yourself. Can you also, you know, kind of give the world what, why you started writing books, and give them like a backstory of your history of, of your practice? Okay, um, I started writing when I learned transactional analysis, okay. and that was. Oh, 60 years ago, maybe not quite that long. And somebody asked me to start writing a column for what it was at something about divorce after divorce. And I said, well, you know, I, I write, but I, I had decided that I would never tell anybody that I could type back then because women back then had to type if they could. And so I always managed to get a secretary. And so I said, well, I can write it out longhand and then you can do it. So I started writing that way. And those columns eventually turned into my first manuscript, which I sent off over and over and over and over and over and over again and didn't get accepted. And then I went to a weekend. It, my husband and I were doing a very unique kind of work at that time. He's my business partner and my therapy partner, everything. So we were doing a very unique kind of week, good heavens, work. <laughs> and I went to a weekend of people who were making incredible contributions. And I had already been writing articles for journals and things like that. But I said, we have to do a book. You know, we've been thinking about it. We have to do it. And at that time, we were doing inner child work, um, basically developmentally based psychotherapy. And very little was known about it. We had been doing it for years and years. And it started, people were talking inner child without really knowing what they were talking about. So we did that one. And that was that was the first big book. It was published by a ma a major publisher or a minor publisher, but it, it sold a lot of copies, about 40,000 copies. And I thought, okay, I've done my book. Now I can do my PhD. <laughs> so I started working on my PhD and I said, and I went to a workshop and somebody said, what you're doing won't be allowed anymore because of the changing laws and psychotherapists aren't allowed to touch their clients. And we were doing a lot of touching and all kinds of things. Then I thought, well, 
what we're doing can't be done without help. Right. And then I had this other idea of, well, what if it could? How could we help people do this kind of work in self-help groups? Yes. And so I sent off a quick note to my publisher saying, is this something that you think you know I should expand on? And they sent me back a contract for a second book. And meantime, they had published my first one, or my they had taken my first book and revised it and published that as well. So that was the second one that was uh, called an action plan for your inner child. And some people invited me to the program. We, we had, I set up some trial workshops that people could just take the manuscript and work with it before it was published. And some, I was so thrilled. After a couple of years, some people invited me to a graduation ceremony in which they had done such incredible growth work themselves using my book, using my manuscript, and then taking my process and applying it to other books and studying that in a self-help situation. And I was just thrilled. So I thought, great. And that book became part of my PhD work. So, I mean, as a, you know, you, since you've been in your career for so, so many years, I'm just curious, can you kind of share the world what made you decide to go into this field of helping others because of you know was it just a passion or you saw something that was uh that was a, a, a ongoing problem in society that you want to resolve or or be some type of a help or uh, be part of the help um uh tell the world it was an accident <laughs> back in 1957, I think it was, Sputnik went up, the very first satellite. And I was a freshman in college and I was studying science and that was great. I thought I was gonna go into medicine. That turned out not to be right for me. But I came out after three years with a, a degree in biology, chemistry, and English literature. I got a job in a laboratory but my mother had gone from her MBA many many years before my mother had an MBA in 1935 33 and she'd gone into teaching and she said you can have summers off and you can get more money and you and you know science teachers are in demand and so without any background in education except like one class, I was offered two jobs as a science teacher in three interviews. Mm -hmm. So I became a teacher. And my husband, meantime, was in graduate school mm -hmm. as, a, as a psychologist okay. and learning stuff. And then we went to, he, he got a scholarship and we went out to California for a month and he started studying transactional analysis. At one point, the, the other wives of the men, and this is important men, because we were just women, moms, right. um, said, let's go to the conference. Right. 
let's get a babysitter for all the kids, go to the conference. So I did. And it was like, first of all, I got treated like a human being, not a wife. And second of all, I understood everything I heard. And I kept thinking, this is psychotherapy, but we could use it in the classroom. It could be phenomenal in the classroom. So I decided I was going to learn everything I could about it. And I did. I went to every class, every every lecture. I listened to the recordings. I They were tape, you know, real they were taped at the time, many real to real. It was a long time ago. And I was just learning and applying it in the classroom and having great results and thinking, wow, this is wonderful. And one of my teachers said, are you ready to take your exams as a psychotherapist? Because the only training was for psychotherapists and I was in all of it. So I took my exam and I passed the second time I took it. The first time I passed it provisionally and the second time a few months later, I passed it. And my husband was setting up an office and I said, well, I've been teaching this stuff. Me too, I want to be there. That's how I became a psychotherapist. I, I did not intend to. And I, I had never stopped being a teacher in one way or another. I was teaching junior high school at the time. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I commend you for being, uh, you know, uh, be, to be a teacher, especially in, you know, uh, at that age, because of the area that that shift where you're going to uh, puberty and 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 just everything starts to your emotions. That takes a lot of strength and 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 patience, you know, to be able to and discipline. You know, I love those kids. They were just great. So that, that's how I got started. And I kept, you know, everything was interesting. I've never made plans particularly. Uh, one of my teachers at one point said, go get a master's degree, call up this person. They have an external program. And I was already a practicing psychotherapist. Things were a lot uh, less structured in the 70s. Right. Uh, I was already practicing, and she said, "Go get a master's degree. Here's here to talk. Here's who to talk to. Um, you can do it externally. Fine. I got my master's degree in 1974, I think, and I didn't get my PhD until I was in my 50s in 1994, after I had done the book, things like that. I'd been teaching all over the world and had have had an incredible life." spreading the word about things that I've learned about and done. We started teaching about relationships. I was seeing a lot of couples started doing that. And then when I was about to retire, when I was 70, um, that was 13 years ago, 12 years ago, I encountered something that was so spectacularly effective that again, I was fascinated, I had to learn it and started writing about that with the developer of that process. So I'm still around, still having fun, not seeing many clients anymore, but I love it when people can take my books and write back to me or 
put up a review that said it changed my life. I just love that. You know, I, I, it's, I, I love that there are so many uh, self-help books that are out there. Uh, you know, for, you know, honestly, you know, like myself and, and many others, you know, we've, you know, their disabilities, anxiety and so forth. And just, you know, dealing with navigating relationships and marriages, old things you dealt with in, in your past, the childhood, you know, uh, repressed memories and stuff that you're trying to handle and, and resolve and it's to where you are right now. Um, and these books are so effective, and that's why I'm so glad to have you on the show to be able to, to talk about this, you know, and also um, your your passion, you know, into helping all of us. Thank you. I, I've enjoyed it. It's just, I love to see people grow and change. I have, you know, at this point, had the children of some of the people that I've worked with who created wonderful marriages, wonderful, strong marriages. And some of the children have come in and it's been, that, that has been so rewarding. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, before I get get uh, further with the question, I actually forgot to tell, describe my, our, ourselves with our low vision uh, guests. Um, yeah, I'm gonna describe myself and uh, hand the baton off to you next. I am actually wearing a bright, colorful, multicolor uh, hair wrap with pinks and uh, I would say teals and oranges, and and I'm wearing uh, tinted aviator glasses. I would say uh, yellow, and I'm wearing a, a dark t-shirt and my jewelry and uh, on my neck. And I'm, I'm behind me. I have uh, phenomenal disabilities, which is um, mixed with teal and uh, purple and magenta with the microphone behind me. And Lori, to you. Okay. I am, as I already said, I'm an 83-year-old woman with white hair. Most people think I'm more like 70, so I'm not quite as old as old looking as I sometimes feel. Um, I, I have sort of light skin. Um, I'm wearing a sweater that almost matches T's headscarf it's it's purple and red and tweedy looking and it's because I'm in a very cool room um, I'm sitting in a green chair and there's a corner of a picture sitting behind me in the chair and what else should I tell them anything um that's it that's it your okay. lovely your lovely beautiful smile <laughs> your beautiful eyes i love your eyes thank you thank you thank you thank you um you know uh you know honestly i wouldn't be able to you know discuss more about your books and um especially about anxiety you know um can you discuss why you wrote that book specifically well the, the process that I wrote about is called logosynthesis, so I can use that. Mm -hmm. um, I experienced that in a very unusual way. I was at a restaurant with friends and the noise was overwhelming and I was very, very tense. Not only that, I couldn't eat the food. They kept bringing out food that burned my mouth and saying, oh, it's not hot. Mm -hmm. And so everybody else in the party ate, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I left and I was very, very tense, it was very noisy. Yeah. I left 
as people were paying the check, since I didn't have one and my husband was there anyway. Um, and I decided to go outside and calm myself down, which I did. And I don't know whether you've talked about EFT tapping. Many people do that. Yeah. Uh, I did that. I did deep breathing. And I thought I was just fine. And a friend came out and said, are you okay? I said, absolutely, yes, I'm fine. And he said, tell me exactly what happened. I said, well, at one point, my body kind of went, mm -hmm, and I clenched. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, will you try an experiment with me? And I said, sure. I had only known the man for 40 years, and he's a psychiatrist. You know, glad to try an experiment with him. And he had me say some words, repeat after him some words. And I felt an incredibly profound relaxation, way beyond what I had felt. And I was sort of, you know, is this the thing that you've been talking about that didn't make any sense to me? He said, yeah. <laughs> and I, okay, you know, I have to learn this. So uh, that, that was the start of it. And the, as I learned it, there were a couple of books available. Dr. Willem Lammers is from Switzerland. He is a European psychologist um, coach who has studied virtually every phenomena. Brilliant man, but writes in a very academic, at that point, I, since then he's done better. But he, he wrote in a very academic style that was difficult to read but I, I wanted to read, I read it. And then uh, he started coming, we were in Canada we, and, excuse me, we were in Nova Scotia. We, he would come to Nova Scotia to teach. I'm in Denver, which is, you know, only about 3000 miles away. Right, 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 right. But we started going there and I started learning from him and I kept thinking, I could explain this to the general public and let people other than professionals learn to use it. It's so easy and it's so incredibly powerful. So I started doing that. I mean, I, well, I didn't start. I mean, I talked to him about it right. and he said, yes, you know, you know, I'd like that. Right. It took me a while to figure out a, a way to do it, but I wrote a book that has gotten well over a hundred reviews in various places that say things like it works I'm surprised I, I couldn't believe it professionals would pick it up and you know go yeah it's not going to work it worked yeah. and then they would join the community and start learning and teaching so I'm kind of an ambassador in the United States for this because almost nobody in the United States knows knew about it six years ago when I first published the book. Right. I've since revised it. Um, but it, it's just words. And instead of working on the feeling that people have, it works on what triggers the feeling. Um. It's not about emotions. But it's about what you encounter that re that reminds you of that thing that happened in the past, and it reminds you so instantly that you're in a panic. Yes, yes, yes. And instead of having to go through that in detail, 
and express the emotions that we used to have to do because we didn't have any better technology to, to get through it. Um, this just works with the energy that, that's bound up and releases the energy. And it's, it's just words. And so being able to help people learn to use those sentences and figure out what the triggers are right. has, has been profound. And that's why I started writing. And then this, that, that's, grab it. That's this book, Letting It Go. And then at one point, Dr. Lammers was applying this to anxiety about money and blocks people have to using information they already know about money. We know we should balance our checkbooks. We know we should make a budget. We know, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so why not? And why not is a lot of messages, things we've heard, beliefs we've picked up. And we can use the same process to let those things go. So he was working with it. I had been asking my asking myself and clients the question of why don't we do what we know how to do for years and studying what we call money scripts. And so I put the two together and I, I was working with them and he was teaching and I said, I want to go to your class. And he said, Well, let's do the book together. You know, you come to my class and you know, you write what I do and what you do. And, so that's how the Embrace Prosperity got got written. So, you know, I, 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 yeah, honestly, I, 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 I've gone through so many various uh, ways of, uh, um, with my own uh, navigation with, you know, process of trying to, you know, breathing, meditation. Um, some some of the things that you mentioned, I've, I've never tried before, but I'll definitely take a look at your book for sure. I know this. I still like, I tell a lot of people, I said, look, there are times where I still deal with anxiety. Um, you know, especially be, me being a person who has selective mutism, you know, I stutter and I do a lot of speaking engagements. And I say, I have huge anxiety when I get before I get on the stage or or before I get ready to speak with people. And they said, well, how how the heck are you our, our podcast speaker? People's in, engaged with people. I said, you know what? It's, it's, it comes natural. It's different because you're one on one with people. It's a little, I say, yeah, at, at first there's a little bit of nervousness, but you know what? I think if got more comfortable with my who I am with the podcast and stuff because it's my own separate thing entity whereas when you're in front of a large crowd of people you're responsible for you know the whole world I know <laughs> um, very often when people are anxious in that way it's because what are they going to think of me and they're going to laugh at me. They're going to do this. And so we've got that picture in our heads of this terrible thing that is likely to happen. And that is the trigger. And we can put that into the sentences. And if, if you'd like, I can do a demonstration with you. Um, but we, we can do that. And my experience is that that anxiety disappears for that moment it may come back again next time sometimes things don't um, I did some work at one point I forgot that I had done it 
but I used to get very exhausted on airplanes and overwhelmed by all the noise. And then I did some work on it the same way about, and it turned out I was working about on something that had happened in my past about riding the um, subway in New York when I was eight years old at rush hour and being packed like sardines into a car. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, but I had done that. I didn't, I totally forgot about it. And I forgot to be upset on airplanes. And that stayed. I haven't been upset about airplanes ever since. So some things stay just, you do them once and they're completely gone. And some things come back in different aspects over and over again. I also have a program that's kind of hidden um, that I can let your, uh, you and your listeners, uh, watchers, whoever, know about on using this process in dealing with stage fright. Yes, 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 yes. That, that would definitely help. Um, you know, especially a lot of my guests that are, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I literally have guests that are all over the world from Africa, from New Zealand to, you know, uh, uh, Asia, all over the world. And I'm really, uh, you know, so happy that they're, you know, t really hearing the show, especially shows like this episode um, that, you know, can help them, guide them to wherever, um, uh, you know, mental uh disabilities are going to even marriage you know uh you know uh you know uh ups and downs we you know we go to i was once married before i was in a long long-term relationship you know so i didn't understand those ups and downs and and you're shifting through it and trying to navigate and trying to you know either be better or if you don't be better you kind of go okay how do i learn to you know navigate to leave and and you go through that process within yourself you know absolutely one of my books as, as you mentioned that um i did some research and i asked women all over the world first of all have you ever been married and second of all what do you wish you had known before you were married mm -hmm. and i put that together in a book it's called being married secrets women women wish they knew <laughs> so yes I, you know and, and you know what women all over the world had the same answers yeah. I couldn't tell any difference yeah so yeah we, we've all been through things and go through things that we need to deal with over and over again yeah, it, 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 honestly, it's you know, it's, it's great that you know that you're on the show to be able to talk about this. And I, I have like some friends that are, you know, I'm, I'm not, I won't call them out, but they, you know, they're, you know, going through their navigation as well, you know, through everything, you know, from marriages to anxiety and everything. And you know, and me as a friend, I we call, I try to be supportive without being too. Call, uh, too intrusive yeah mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hard when you want to feel like the superhero and go okay come on yeah <laughs> yeah i can fix it i know what to do <laughs> yes but i've tried this well yes but i've tried that 
how to avoid the yes but game. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, you know, and and can you kind of give the world uh, an as a, a, a you know some I you know some of your um, wisdom on that itself in regards to like how to avoid that and you know. Uh, I have a whole list of things about it. In transactional analysis, which was my first psychological language, um, there was a book called Games People Play that was on bestseller lists for years, years. Great book. By Eric Byrne. And he talked about games. And one of the games was, why don't you yes but? which is designed to prove that helpers are useless. And so I've, I've spent time um, with that. Move that just a little. And there are some very, very easy things to do. The first thing to do is when somebody says, I have this problem, instead of jumping into help, saying, well, what have you done to solve it? And what have you already done? So you don't offer things that people have already done. And if you know anything besides what they've already done, then you might say, well, I have this different perspective. I have some other things that you might try. Would you like to know what they are? And that's the important thing. Would you like to know what they are? And if somebody says, no, don't offer anything. And if somebody says yes, say, well, you know, you might try this and you might try it. And if you just have one thing, that's fine. You might try doing this. And if they say yes, but okay, you know, it's up to you. Or, you know, you might try that. But you don't force it. You don't keep saying, you could do this, you could do this, you could do that. You always ask first. Right, 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 right. You know, I, I, I know in regards to like um, marriage, let's say just marriage, it's a matter of relationships, you're with someone, um, they're all the same, you know, nest egg. Um, you know, it's, in the, the segue back on what you were saying earlier, um, regards all the women have pretty much the same response. It was funny how, you know, we don't try to have patience or try to take the lessons from it and just go, okay, this is what it is. Or something, you know, depending on the situation of the relationship, um, if it's just, you know, sometimes people are just very impatient and going, oh, I don't like the clothes on the floor. And, you know, we're getting divorced. But if it's a very severe relationship, then you go, yeah, it's time. It's time to red alert out. You know, there are a lot of myths about relationships, and that is another one of my books. My husband and I did a, a lecture together on it: about myths that break up relationships. Because if people expect others to read their mind. Or if people expect that um, we shouldn't argue, yes, that that's that's an awful one. Um, 
trying to think of what the other some of the other myths are. Um, that uh, you, I need a soulmate. Yeah. That that if if a relationship is to work, it be easy. Uh, no, relationships aren't easy. <laughs> Excuse me. Ever. They always need focus and work. And so just moving past those myths and say and learning instead of being angry, learning well, let me let me start a little bit more. Um, we when we're not allowed to say what we think right. and what's troubling us, it tends to build up. Um, in transactional analysis, we called it saving stamps. You save up until you've got, or, you know, saving straws, and this is the straw that broke the camel's back. You know? No. Um, it's much more important to say things when they happen. And instead of you did this, to say things like, I am impacted. I don't like having to pick up after you. It takes my time and I wish you would do it to take care of me, basically. I know you don't want to. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, when I was newly married and my husband kept leaving his socks on the floor in front of the hamper, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I picked them up and put them under his pillow. <laughs> now, I've been married over 60 years. <laughs> but it, it's really important to learn to speak without accusing yeah. and we say i messages yeah. it's also very important to tell your spouse significant other best friend whatever the things that you do like the things that they're doing well yes tell them a lot of beautiful things about you know know just what they're doing with just something nice about them you know even if they don't look their best that morning you rolled out a bit i love your eyes i love your smile this morning i love you know something that just starts a day off um yeah a lot of people don't they lose that um and they also lose the whole aspect of even like when you're going into a relationship um you know you know, segueing on what you're saying earlier about just needing to have someone in your life. I know people who are who are very codependent cool and just want to be in a relationship, but they are not honest saying, "Hey, you know what? I still want to date other people, or, or 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 you know, feel like I'm single, and, you know, not really be committed and not be honest about it." And then by that time, you're in that relationship for quite a time, and it becomes a problem. It becomes a bigger problem. Yeah, always. Um, we have a definition of codependency, which is a little different than most people's, but it works very effectively. Our first book was called Recovery from Codependency. 
never too late to reclaim your childhood. And the definition is a, an agreement between both people that one person is more important than the other and one person's needs and feelings are more important than the other. That always causes resentment. And we also have a formula that we can use in any conversation, in any transaction, to know whether it's complete, which is to take into account your own feelings, the other person's feelings, and the reality of the situation. And that means that, you know, you and I may both want a vacation to Hawaii, but the reality of the situation is we have to pay the rent with that money. Very true, very true, very true. Um, you know, I, I, I want to tell you thank you for being on the show and, um, you know, really providing your insight about, you know, uh, just navigating, you know, as who you are, your book, and just your insight on how we should learn to navigate within ourselves, you know, your helpful suggestions, your advice, um, you know, and is there any last words that you can provide the world that they can utilize? For today, okay. you know, one good thing that they can utilize for today and practice. Well, I, I can invite them to go to my website, which is lauriweiss.com. And the first thing they'll see is a program called Reduce Worry Starting Now. And it is a program for seven days, about 10 minutes a day, that teaches you to think through what's going on, think about what's what's troubling you, and learn the beginning of those words that I was telling you about earlier. And I would love people to have the opportunity to take that and use those words of wisdom and use it for their own growth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I always ask my guess this last question and I want you to kind of just you can use one sentence or two can you tell the world what disability is it to you what, what disability is or isn't to you isn't okay What it isn't is an excuse to treat people as if they are less than other people, if they are other abled and see the world differently and approach the world differently. Well said, well said, well said. Well, on that note, everyone, this is Phenomenal Disabilities with Tree Low. And I want to thank you again for being on our show, Lori. And uh, our, you know, our audience, thank you for tuning in the show. Until next time, this is Trilo with Phenomenal Disabilities. See ya.